Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. A group of doctors and medical organizations asks a federal judge to remove an abortion pill from the market. A favorable ruling would cut off access to the drug even in states where abortion is legal. One of the largest school takeovers in U.S. history. The Texas government announces a takeover of the largest public school district in the state. The U.S. reveals whether or not it believes Russia's recent downing of a U.S. drone was intentional. This as Moscow vows to recover the drone's debris, which likely contains classified technology. House Republicans hold a hearing to try to find solutions to the border crisis. Do House Democrats show up? Florida is taking steps to punish a hotel for allowing minors at a drag show. Find out what repercussions the hotel faces. And California's recent extreme weather has created many disasters and problems. Flooding, downed trees and even stranded cows bring distress to its residents. All eyes were watching today as a federal judge in Texas considered whether or not to revoke the FDA-approved abortion bill called Mifeprestone. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. At a high-stakes hearing on Wednesday, a federal judge in Texas heard arguments on whether he should block the FDA's approval of Mifepristone, a drug that's part of the most common abortion method in the U.S. The case was brought by physicians and medical groups against abortion. Mifepristone was approved in 2000 to be used in combination with misoprostol. The drug regimen is currently approved for use up to the 10th week of pregnancy. Before the pandemic, the drug had to be dispensed in person by a certified abortion provider. Now, any retail pharmacy can provide it by mail or in person with a prescription. The groups alleged that the FDA approved Mifepristone before adequately testing it. They said in their complaint, the FDA failed America's women and girls when it chose politics over science and approved chemical abortion drugs for use in the United States. And it has continued to fail them by repeatedly removing even the most basic precautionary requirements associated with their use. In arguments on Wednesday, the alliance's attorney, Eric Baptist, told the judge that removing Mifepristone from the market would restore proper policing power to the states, a reference to the U.S. Supreme Court's historic overruling last year of Roe v. Wade. That ruling left it to the states to decide on the legality of abortion. Last July, President Biden took a tough stance against states that banned abortion medications. My administration will also protect a woman's access to medications that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, like contraception, which is essential for preventative health care, mifeprestone, which the FDA approved 20 years ago. Department of Justice lawyers called the challenge speculative. It wrote in response, that request is extraordinary and unprecedented. Plaintiffs have pointed to no case, and the government has been unable to locate any example where a court has second-guessed FDA safety and efficacy determination. They added that a court has never ordered that a widely available FDA drug be removed from the market. A ruling is expected in the coming days. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And staying in Texas, the state is announcing a takeover of the Houston Public School District, one of the largest school takeovers ever in the U.S. 
With nearly 200,000 students, the Houston School District is in the largest in the state and the eighth largest in the country. Texas Education Commissioner Mike Morath announced today that the Texas Education Agency will replace the district superintendent and elected board of trustees. Morath accuses the district of poor academic performance, misconduct by school trustees, and violations of the Open Meetings Act and procurement laws. The new board of managers will be appointed sometime after June 1st, and it will be composed of residents from within the district. Houston's Democratic leaders have been pushing back against the takeover. They accuse Governor Greg Abbott's administration of making a political move. And Speaker Kevin McCarthy unveiling the GOP plan for lowering energy costs today, but its fate is stifled by a split Congress. NTD's Melina Weiskup is on Capitol Hill with more. Senate Democrats wasted no time in squashing House Republicans' energy plan. The bill dubbed H.R. 1 Lower Energy Cost Act aims to increase domestic energy production and reduce regulatory burdens on energy infrastructure. Here's how House Speaker Kevin McCarthy explains it. Restore American energy leadership. Now how? by repealing ornitous taxes and overregulation on American energy producers. The bill also takes aim at the Inflation Reduction Act by striking the methane tax. Now, this bill faces the same challenge that all other Republican bills coming out of the House face. That is, trying to make it through the Democrat-controlled Senate. Senate Leader Chuck Schumer already killed the bill, calling it dead on arrival. Schumer criticized it as a wish list for big oil, while also expressing the need for a bipartisan permitting reform. Any serious permitting package must also focus on the needs of the future. There are Democrats and Republicans talking in both houses to permit a deal forward. We need a bipartisan, bicameral effort on permitting reform. Those were Schumer's comments at today's weekly presser where leaders from both parties come to brief reporters and notably leading Republicans today was Whip John Thune. A minority leader Mitch McConnell is absent after suffering injuries. He's currently at a rehabilitation facility where he's recovering from a concussion and a minor rib fracture. McConnell's aides say he should be back in a week or more. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. The Senate today confirmed President Biden's nominee for the U.S. ambassador to India. Eric Garcetti was a former mayor of Los Angeles who left office last year. He got 52 votes in support and 42 votes against. Seven Republicans voted to approve him, including Senators Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins. Three Democrats voted against Garcetti. They are Maisie Hirono, Sherrod Brown and Mark Kelly. Some Democrats were concerned over accusations that Garcetti had ignored alleged sexual harassment and bullying by one of his former senior aides. Garcetti denies the allegations. And questions are mounting over Russia's intent after one of its warplanes hit an expensive U.S. drone. This as a race unfolds between the two countries to recover the drone's debris. And TD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. Russia intentionally intercepted a $32 million U.S. drone before hitting it and later forcing it to come down over the Black Sea. That's according to the Pentagon, which on Wednesday said it was still investigating if the collision itself was intentional. We know that the intercept was intentional. Uh, we know that the aggressive behavior was intentional. The physical contact of those two, not sure yet. That remains to be seen. 
The State Department on Wednesday blamed the incident on what it called a lack of competence on the Russian side, adding that the actual collision was probably not intended. I think the best assessment right now is that it probably was unintentional. It probably was the result of profound incompetence on the part of one of these uh, Russian pilots. But, it but Russia's move still prompts the question. That this was intentional. Is this considered an act of war? We take uh, any potential for escalation very seriously, and that's why I believe it's important to keep the lines of communication open. Russia, meanwhile, on Wednesday vowed to recover the debris of the U.S. drone. But the Pentagon insists... Uh, and we did take uh, mitigating measures. Uh, so we are quite confident that whatever, uh, whatever was of value is no longer of value. And President Biden, who is returning to the White House from Nevada tonight, has been briefed on the drone incident. Reporting from the White House, Iris Howe, NTD News. The Justice Department has arrested an exiled Chinese billionaire known as Miles Guo. Federal prosecutors are charging him with orchestrating a $1 billion fraud scheme. The Justice Department said in a statement today that Guo is accused of defrauding his online followers of investment money. Guo allegedly promised them substantial returns if they invested in his business entities. Prosecutors said Guo used the money to buy millions of dollars worth of luxury items. They also charged him with laundering hundreds of millions of dollars in stolen funds. Guo faces criminal charges of conspiracy, wire fraud, securities fraud, international money laundering, and obstruction of justice. Authorities have seized over $600 million of his assets. Guo is a business associate of former Trump advisor Steve Bannon. He fled from China to the U.S. in 2014 after being accused of committing a series of crimes by the Chinese regime. House Republicans held a hearing to try to find solutions to the border crisis. The only issue was that Democrats didn't show up. They accused Republicans of politicizing the event. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. We're going to shine a light on the truth. The House Homeland Security Committee held a hearing near the border in Texas called Failure by Design, examining Secretary Mayorkas' border crisis. A GOP spokesperson told Fox News that Democrats said they were going to attend. They booked their flights and even called a witness to testify. But in a statement to the Washington Examiner just days before the hearing started, Representative Benny Thompson said committee Democrats decided not to participate. According to Thompson, instead of a fact-finding mission to develop better border security and immigration policies, Republicans are traveling to the border to attack the administration and try to score political points with their extreme rhetoric, despite having voted against the resources border personnel need. And five chairs were left empty during the hearing. But Republicans continued on, questioning the chief of the U.S. Border Patrol, Raul Ortiz. Representative Dan Bishop asked the chief to admit that the Biden administration's policies are causing the border crisis. Sir, will you be candid enough to be unequivocal and clear that that has driven the change? And I still hold true that we have some policies in place where we need to ensure that the men and women out there patrolling the border, investigating these criminal cartels, are actually allowed to do their job each and every day. And Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said it appears the cartels have taken things to another level. Chief Ortiz, are you aware that there was an explosive device found by Border Patrol agents on January 17th in an area called No Man's Land? I receive a, a, a confidential uh, skiff, so I'm going to be a little hesitant of briefing what I 
know and what I don't know with respect to some of those, an event like that. I understand, Chief Ortiz, but I'm not going to be confidential because I think people deserve to know. Our Border Patrol agents should not be in those type of conditions where they are at risk of being blown to pieces by the cartels. And she explained that fentanyl is the number one cause of death for people between the ages of 18 and 45. Now, it doesn't matter about Republican, Democrat, or who cares. It's everybody's home. And what I would like to see done is real frank uh, conversation about what to do to fix this problem. You can watch the full hearing at the House Homeland Security Committee's YouTube page. Jason Perry, NTD News. And turning our attention now to a contentious issue that seems to be heating up, children attending drag shows. Florida is moving to revoke a hotel's liquor license for allegedly having children at a Christmas drag show. Please be advised that the following footage shows scenes from a similar show and is intended for mature audiences. You're huge. It's awesome that you're here tonight. Thank you for being here. You're so awesome. Are you having a good time? What's your favorite part? I saw you guys with your mom in the meet and greet. Where's Melinda, the mom? Melinda, right? Wait, tell me your name again. Sonia, we need more mothers like you in the world. How old are you? Nine. You're nine? Oh my god, aw, look at that. Thank you, Pepper's mom is out here. Hello, we're reaching for my Are you hungry? This footage from a Texas performance of the show in question, part of a national tour across 18 states, captured by independent journalist Taylor Hansen, shown here on Tucker Carlson Tonight. But Florida didn't want kids seeing the show, and they told Hyatt Regency Miami so in December. Governor Ron DeSantis's office says his Department of Business and Professional Regulation had warned the hotel, but they did it anyway. The department filed a complaint Tuesday saying the show was initially advertised as a family-friendly, all-ages welcome event. The day of the event, the agency says it reached out to the hotel, informing them that they could jeopardize their alcohol license if they exposed children to sexually explicit drag show performances, lewd activity, and disorderly conduct. The warning reportedly prompted Hyatt to update the advertising to include a disclaimer that the show was recommended for audience 18 plus, but still allowed children to attend when accompanied by an adult. DeSantis commenting last July that having kids at drag shows is wrong and not consistent with state law and policy and a disturbing trend in our society to try to sexualize these young people. We reached out to Hyatt Regency but haven't heard back yet. They issued a statement saying the booking was managed by a third party and they're reviewing what happened. The governor's move comes amid a push for provisions to protect children from exposure to sexually explicit drag shows across the nation. Meanwhile, in New York, the state's attorney general, Letitia James's office, is set to host a drag story hour for children this weekend, writing on Instagram that she's proud to host it. The post invites families with kids to join Attorney General James, drag storytellers, and city and state elected leaders. Drag Queen Story Hours for Kids have also been spreading nationwide at public education venues. The first one in New York City was in 2017. But these events have also drawn backlash with protests and counter-protests even in New York City. And in California, wind and rain have taken over. Other than widespread flooding, harsh winds broke windows and heavy snow stranded cattle. 
Harsh winds on Tuesday left down trees and debris flying everywhere. In San Francisco, the fire department caught on camera glass windows falling from a high-rise building. Two windows were damaged. One is completely broken and another is cracked. Authorities called for shelter-in-place and evacuation orders. We currently have members of the Department of Building Inspection and 555 California Building Engineers evaluating this incident. A window company has been called in by 55 California staff to mitigate and, if needed, replace the actual windows. There were no injuries reported. The streets were reopened that evening. And emergency crews scrambled to patch the Pajaro River's levee in Monterey County. Drone video showed construction vehicles dumping rocks along the levee to be picked up and dropped in the water to stem the flow from the Pajaro River. Officials said about 21,000 people in the flood zone remained under evacuation orders or warnings. Earlier this month in Humboldt County, officials worked together to feed cows that were stranded in thick snow. We've received multiple reports of cattle dying off because ranchers cannot get to their cows due to impassable roadways. These are private roadways. Um, that's through snow and down trees. And so they want to know what can be done. One of the ranchers that's been around for a while said that, you know, in the 80s, when the snow was so prevalent and they couldn't get to the ranches, they called upon CAL FIRE and the, and the Coast Guard to help deliver hay um, out in those communities. Putting into practice the same method used years ago, CAL FIRE and the U.S. Coast Guard work together on what is known as Operation Hay Drop. They load hay into their helicopters and drop them into remote mountain fields for the hungry cattle. This is an atypical type of operation, but it shows the resilience and the effectiveness of cooperating with various agencies so that in total we can better serve the communities that are affected. About 30 ranchers reached out for help. They pay for the hay that goes out for delivery. Authorities remind people to stay indoors and only travel when necessary. Coming up, tracking low-income gun owners in America. A new report shows federal agencies apparently suspect people of illegally selling guns based on their salary. And in football news, four-time NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers finally breaks his silence about where he plans to play next season. NTD's Dave Martin has more on this coming up. The federal government is allegedly tracking low-income gun owners. Many were apparently suspected of illegally selling weapons. The Epoch Times exclusively learned that the federal government has been using Americans' income and gun purchases to track them. Agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, or ATF, gave salary estimates to the FBI. This apparently was to monitor people's firearms purchases. These revelations come from new documents received from a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. According to the documents, a man in Arizona was put into the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS, due to his income and the purchases he made. An ATF agent requested surveillance by the FBI for the Arizona man, who reported under $2,900 income. The agent wrote, in my experience, someone with this amount of income would not be able to afford 20 firearms. 
An Asian man in Texas was put on the manual background check because the ATF said he has no work history, which could indicate that he's buying guns for other people. Eric Pratt, senior vice president of Gun Owners of America, or GOA, commented on the matter. Pratt told the Epoch Times that the monitoring is a serious problem, saying Congress needs to rein in this rogue agency by either exercising oversight over it or abolishing the unconstitutional agency altogether. A Wisconsin man was put under surveillance in 2020 because an ATF agent saw text messages related to buying and selling guns. The agent suspected that the man was dealing without a license. An ATF guide explains that if you only make occasional sales of firearms from your personal collection, you do not need to be licensed. You will need a license if you repetitively buy and sell firearms with the principal motive of making a profit. An ATF spokesman said he couldn't comment on the matter. NTD reached out to the DOJ but didn't immediately hear back. Now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Aaron Rodgers says he intends to play for the Jets next season after playing the last 18 years in Green Bay. The 39-year-old made the comments today on the Pat McAfee show and added, quote, I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation the Packers are trying to get for me, kind of digging their heels in. Now, Rodgers' trade has certainly been rumored for quite some time, and the Jets have laid out plenty of hints that he's coming by hiring his former offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and even signing one of his favorite receivers in Alan Lazard. Figuring out compensation could be tricky, though. 15 years ago, the Jets traded a mid-round pick for 39-year-old Brett Favre, but younger quarterbacks like Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson have commanded multiple first-round picks in return. Yet none of those have won four MVP awards. And in World Cup news, the Global Professional Players Soccer Union says it sent a letter to FIFA last fall signed by 150 women's national team players calling for equal World Cup prize money. Now, while the men shared a pool of $440 million this fall with champion Argentina getting 42 million of it, the women's most recent total purse was 30 million with the winner getting four. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has seven games planned, featuring a battle between two of the best in the East, as the Cavs host the Sixers, with both teams looking to catch Boston in the standings. And in the World Baseball Classic, the U.S. plays Columbia tonight, looking to secure a spot in the quarterfinals with a win. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has four games on, featuring the defending champion Colorado Avalanche, looking to improve their seventh place standings in the West while playing at Toronto. And that's it for the sports news today. Steph, all yours. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.